Welcome to Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Your hosts are Becky Olson and Sharon Hennepin. Our show is here to help breast cancer patients, survivors, their friends and family with the resources, support, and inspiration they can use right now. Here are your hosts, Sharon and Becky. Welcome to Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. My name is Becky Olson. I'm a four-time, 22-year survivor of advanced stage breast cancer. I'm also a motivational speaker, a speaker mentor, and the published author of The Hat That Saved My Life. Um, Sharon is on vacation. Um, She and I are both the co-founders of Breast Friends. And I wanted to share with you a little thought before we introduce our guest today. You know, when you think about new ideas that come out into the marketplace or whatever, most of those ideas are born out of need. And that's, it's no different for breast friends. You know, rather than reinventing the wheel, as the saying goes, it seems to me that most ideas originate as a way to fill a gap. And one reason we started this radio show is that there are a lot of people in, in the world that live in rural communities that may not have access to all the information that they need. And we do try to bring on a variety of guests who will introduce new topics, new ideas, provide inspiration and hope to our our potential patients that are out there listening to our show. And one of our missions that we developed a couple years ago was to expand our embrace. And we are expanding our, our embrace into the global community. We have thousands of downloads every month um, on-demand listeners. We've got a huge audience in Ireland and many, many in the United States. So we love having our audience listening to us. Um, We would love your feedback if you are a regular listener to our show or if this is even your first time. Please consider dropping us a little note. You can send it to becky at breastfriends.org. And just let us know that you listened and what your thoughts are on the programming. Um, It's really important that we get feedback because it's nice to know we're actually making a difference for you. So that was also the reason we started Breast Friends. Uh, We learned that not all patients that are out there have a community of support. And we have actually become that community of support for many of the people that we serve. And by doing that and then doing this show, we have brought in many, many more women into our world and, you know, learning as much as they can learn. So we thank you again for being a faithful listener to our show. And again, please send us your feedback, Becky at breastfriends.org. And also, if you need our support, you can find us through breastfriends.org. Our phone number is on there. We've got an 800 number. Feel free to just click on that and find what you need. There's a lot of great information also on that website. So we want to thank you for that. And what's really fun is today's guest is going to talk with us about a subject we haven't actually covered on this show. And he is no, no stranger to that idea of filling a gap when it's necessary. So today, we're going to talk about surgical drains. Now, I know that's not a very sexy topic when you think about it. In fact, I remember coming home with my own drains, and we'll talk about that momentarily. But um, it can be a very cumbersome process to clean drains when you come home with them. And our guest today has developed an easier way to make that happen. Vance Schaefer studied studied computer science and mathematics at the University of Cincinnati and has spent his life in that arena. When his wife, Linda, was diagnosed with breast cancer, his life changed. (laughs) No kidding, right? He was 
watched his wife struggle with a very complex procedure that, given his background in science, he knew it didn't have to be that hard. So in 2008, he began the quest for a better way to clear surgical drains. And over the next 10 years, Vance developed a tool that has the potential to help people across the globe. So with that, let me introduce our fabulous guest, Vance Schaefer. Hi, Vance. Thanks for joining us today. Very excited to have you. Hello, and and, thank you very much. I appreciate being on your show. This is is very wonderful. (laughs) Well, why don't you take a a few minutes and let's, let's... hear your story, you know, maybe talk about what your life was like before Linda was diagnosed. And we don't need all the details because I'm sorry, but computer sciences and mathematics is not all that intriguing. <laughs> but, <laughs> but where it went after that certainly is. So, so anyway, tell us a little bit about that and then how and when did you meet Linda? Well, um, uh, I met Linda in... Uh, February of 1990. Actually, Linda had been single all her life. She was uh, 37 years old. And on New Year's Day, she said, Lord, if you want me to be married, put somebody in front of me that you want me to marry. Oh, sweet. uh, So by chance, um, my daughter had shooed me out of the house. I was living uh, by myself. Well, my two daughters and myself were living in Raleigh. And uh, my one daughter said, Dad, you need to get out of here. Go to this thing. I found this uh, Valentine's party you can go to, yada, yada. And, and so I said, <laughs> okay, fine. So you so met I, her on Valentine's and, Day? Yes. It's, oh, my gosh. That's so awesome and romantic. And uh, so, so we were actually we were at a Valentine's party um, that my daughter had found. It was um, a group in Raleigh, a bunch of singles that got together. So um, she gave me the address, told me to go to this thing, and uh, so I showed up, and I thought, okay, I'll stand against the wall until I have to leave, (laughs) and I was not interested in anybody, Mm. and Linda was standing right beside me, and she stuck out her hand and said, hi, I'm Linda, and I said, oh, no. Um, (laughs) Uh Uh-oh. So so anyway, um, and we talked for, I don't know. 20 minutes, half an hour, and uh, and then I left. And then afterwards, I started thinking, she was pretty nice. And so the following week, I remember she had said she worked for um, the Raleigh, uh, I'm sorry, North Carolina State um, in Raleigh, and uh, she was in the accounting section for taxes, and I thought, I have no idea where she really is at. And I knew her first name was Linda, and that's all I knew. So I just looked in the blue pages, and there were dozens and <laughs> dozens of phone numbers. And I said, okay, I'll pick this one. God, if you want me to, to uh, know her, then this is the phone number I'm picking. So I picked it. I called, and uh, I got a lady, and it turns out it was her secretary. Oh, are you kidding um, me? No, no, and that's, that's how we met. Wow. And then... Uh, over the next uh, four months, um, we dated, and we, we were just perfect. And so we got engaged. We met in February. We got engaged in June and got married oh. in November. Wow. So so seriously, you opened up the blue pages. You called North Carolina State in Raleigh and just randomly asked if there was a Linda there. I mean, I'm trying to. That's trying pretty to. close. Actually, I, I picked a number that I thought might be hers because she was uh, – in the revenue department. Right. And I right. thought, well, okay, there are hundreds of people there. I don't have a clue. 
Um, <laughs> but I just said, well, Lord, if you want me to uh, date this woman, you got to tell me which one. So I just oh my picked gosh. the number and, and called it, and it was her secretary. I just got and, goosebumps because uh, that's, you know, I love I love stories like that because, you know, I don't believe in coincidences. And I think that, you know, the fact that you prayed a couple times there to find somebody for you and they're, I mean, wow, <laughs> you know, that's, so, that's uh, amazing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was it was just incredible. God, God put us together. Just it was phenomenal. So you were uh, married in November <laughs> of 1990, and so yes. she continued to work there at, at North Carolina State, I presume, or what happened she after did that? for the next four years, and mm-hmm. um, then we found out that she was much sicker than she thought. She had emphysema from secondhand smoke. It had, uh, had caused oh. her to lose two-thirds of her lung function. And oh, so wow. she had to quit work in uh, January of 1995 and go on permanent disability because uh, she was struggling a lot just to breathe. Wow. And you said so she was, found uh, out she was sicker than she thought. So I know that she had at some point then developed breast cancer. And, and when was that? Um she had a mammogram done in uh, late March of 98. Um, the surgeon, uh, we had moved to Atlanta by this time, and the surgeon uh, had done a needle biopsy. Um, nothing showed up, and then he called her back about a week later and said, you know, I still think there's something there. Let's do another one. And they did another one, and... Uh, we found out, actually, I was in California at a conference when she called me and she said, I've got breast cancer. Oh, wow. And uh, so I just got on the next plane up and uh, came back to Atlanta. Wow. Um, so what, what and, was that um, like for yeah, you, Vance? What, you know, when you oh heard that God, news, that was, what, what was that oh, like was for you when you heard that? I, 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 I mean, it was like somebody just kicked me in the stomach. I, I was so mm. upset and... It, almost physically sick. I was so upset about it. Mm. Um, so that began, began a really long trek of, of uh, surgery and chemo and radiation. Uh, the surgery was the first part of May of mm. 98, and then she started chemo. Um, well, first she had a port put in because the drugs were so, uh, so bad. They said they'll destroy her uh, blood vessels. Yeah, I so, had the same problem. Yeah. I was, they can't even find my blood vessels in my arms, so they, I definitely had a port. And, you know, and I've been through this, you know, four times, but chemo twice, and I had ports both times. So it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's not fun by any means, and they're not very pretty, but, um, but yeah, it's, it's helpful when your veins are so bad. So, oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was, um, it was ugly. So, uh, yeah. she had, um, six weeks of adriamycin, six weeks of taxol, and six weeks of cytoxin. Mm. And uh, we were in the uh, emergency room at least once a week, sometimes twice a week, sometimes twice in one night. Wow. Um, because she was struggling so much. Uh, she had stage 3A breast cancer. But uh, So what would happen, Vance, there. just... Real quick, what would happen that would lead you back to the emergency room twice in, in a day? I mean, what was that a, What was that about? Oh, um, 
she had been told that if her temperature went above 100.4 to go back okay. to ER. Okay. And uh, so many, many times it would go to 100, 100.5, 100.6, you know. And uh, we would call her oncologist and say, you got to go to ER. Always, always, mm-hmm. always. And we finally just said, okay, we'll just skip calling him. We'll just go straight to you ER. Just go there, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Wow. And, um, and then we got to know the ER supervisor, and she saw how bad Linda was, and she said, here is my private number. When you have to come oh. in, you call me ahead of time because Linda should not be around anybody that's sick because it could kill her. Oh, man. And uh, her, her immune system was just totally blown from the uh, drugs she was getting. Oh. So uh, we would call her. She would call us back 10 minutes, an hour later, whatever it was, and she'd say, okay, come in right now, and uh, I'll meet you at the door and, and hurry you back. And uh, she would wear a mask, and I would wear a mask. And so, uh, yeah, we did that for um, from the beginning of May, and it was six weeks with the adriamycin. Taxol wasn't nearly as bad, and then the cytoxin was just absolutely awful. Yeah, they don't. Um, I don't even like the name of that cytoxin. It just sounds so bad, doesn't it? I mean, the, the <laughs> word. I was. I was bad. on that too. In fact, that's kind of the regimen I was on. I did um, adriamycin and then uh, cytoxin, taxol, and cytoxin. But with for me, you know, I ended up back in the hospital, but not because of fever, but because I was so dehydrated. I couldn't. Um, I, I got. You know, I would get like motion sickness kind of feeling, and then I would just. I would try to take my anti nausea medicine. And I would throw it up. So, you know, you end up getting dehydrated and they had to put me back in the hospital so right. they could pump me full of, you know, uh, fluids and stuff. And then they would put the um, anti-nausea medicine in the fluid so I, I could try to, you know, control it. But, you know, I think it, I, I'm really glad we're having this conversation because there are so many um, things that can happen when a person's going through this treatment. You know, some of that is rare. It's not common necessarily, but your wife was originally diagnosed at stage 3B, which is pretty advanced at that point. So, um, you know, that that had to have made the treatment a little bit harder. And, and you know, Vance, just let me just say something to our audience members. This is one of the reasons why we really support um, mammograms at age 40, and then continue to have them every year because, and I shared this last week on the show too, I do believe, and that is that we check when you have them done yearly like that, they go in and they look at your breast when it's healthy, and then they look at it every year and they compare the previous year's slides so they can see subtle changes because if you can catch breast cancer before it gets to stage 3B, um, or in my case to stage 3, I don't think they had an A or B attached to it at that time, but... um, if you can catch it earlier, the treatment is far less um, serious than than that. So, so I just wanted to kind of add that for our listeners. Please get your mammograms. Don't don't delay them. Just get them done, and they're still covered um, under the I believe the Affordable Health Care Act. There, it's considered preventative. So, you know, it's a screening, and um, get get them done. So, anyway, thank you for allowing me to digress at that moment, but. Um, okay. So, you know, this continued on for a while, and then um, and then what happened after that? I know you had some kind of sad news, even sadder than that along um, the way. Yeah, she, uh, she was uh, in, that, in the cytoxin regimen for only um, two times. She was supposed to have a third one, and she was so incredibly ill, she 
came very close to death, um, and she decided not to take the third one because uh, it had destroyed her immune system so much mm. that uh, she was uh, having a very difficult time. Um, she couldn't even get off the couch many times unless I would help her to get up. Uh, and we had a German Shepherd that would just lay there for hours on, mm. on the floor with his head up on her mm. uh, on the couch just looking at her. You know, animals are amazing, aren't they? <laughs> They're oh, so sensitive, and yeah, he would, uh, yeah, he would make sure she was uh, taken care of. So, anyway, the uh, the radiation then was uh, from the middle of October until the end of December, and uh, that was not nearly as bad, uh, but it it burned through uh, her to her back, and I had to put a, a gel on her back every day oh, wow. um, where, the, uh, where the radiation burns had come through her. Mm. Um, so, and yeah, what, she what, year, just, what year was that when, you, when, you, when uh, she had that radiation? Was in 98. That was 98. also 98, it would, it would okay. Been, uh, it would have been, you know, um, I don't yeah, want to scare people before. because it's radiation's come a long way since then. And, you know, I had my first round of radiation in 96, and I had my second one in um, 2009 and my last one in 2017. And the difference from the first time just to the last two times is, is there, it's so much better they can target it and doesn't necessarily go all the way through. So I, I wanted to share that because I know people right now are considering having radiation and I don't want them to think that it's that that's going to happen to them because chances are it won't, but that doesn't change that it happened to your wife and I'm and I'm so sorry about that. So how did how did the gel work for you, you know, for her? Um it was it was good. Um the oncologist, good. the radiation oncologist had recommended this stuff and we bought it and uh so yeah, yeah, it really helped her a lot. It, it took away a lot of the pain. Um, yeah. She used uh, Zofran a lot for the uh, nausea thickness. Um, and sometimes they would hook her up to an IV of Zofran if she was getting chemo, and other, other times they would give us pills uh, for her to take uh, at yeah. home. Yeah, it's yeah. I was on Zofran too. That's the one that I had had issues with. Not probably because I was allergic, but just because I waited till I was sick to take it, and then I couldn't keep it down. But um, so we're going to go out to break here. And in fact, let's just go ahead and go on out to break. And when we come back, we're going to pick up some some more of this story, and then we're going to start talking about drains after that because they're. Again, they're a very necessary part of, of all of this, and, um, but I want to hear the rest of your story. So stay tuned. We'll be back in a minute. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Thank you for listening today. Breast Friends needs your support. We rely on donations to keep our doors open and to keep this radio program alive. Please consider making a tax-deductible donation to Breast Friends. You can visit us at breastfriends.org. You can also like us on Facebook at Breast Friends of Oregon. Be sure to tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time and Thursdays at 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Women's Channel. 
For Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio, visit breastfriends.org and contribute today. When was the last time you felt free? It's time to uncover that feeling again with the compassion of a cross and shield and the power of a card that opens doors to the best hospitals and medical centers in all 50 states. Giving you the freedom to love, to dream, to dance like no one is watching. Regions Blue Cross Blue Shield. Live fearless. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. are tuned into Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. To reach the program today, please call us at 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to becky at breastfriends.org. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to our program. We've been talking with our guest, Vance Schaefer, and he's been sharing this amazing, beautiful, romantic story of meeting his wife and then sharing a, a bit about her difficult, very difficult journey through breast cancer. So before we switch gears and talk about drains, I w- I'd like to hear a little bit more of, of your story. So your wife had the, the uh, mammogram and then a mastectomy and went through all this chemo and stuff, and then... Did she go through any other surgical processes, like for, um, you know, what do you, uh, reconstruction? That's the word I'm looking for. You'd think I'd know that one. I've done that a few times. So, you, um, so you understand exactly. That's, I that's do. precisely what happened. Yeah. Um, yeah, so she had reconstruction you... and uh, went through that for a couple of months. Finally, they were put in. And um, things were kind of status quo until 2008. Um, okay. And she said, you know, these things have turned to rocks. They are really hard. When she start to roll over, they hurt a lot. And she decided to have them taken out. And uh, she talked to her plastic surgeon. And uh, he said, do you want uh, new ones put in? And she said, no. I'm tired of these. I'll be flat-chested. I don't care. <laughs> yeah, we know some women that have made that call. <laughs> it's, you so know, it's definitely exactly a personal choice. Did. Yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. Okay. First time. Yeah, you're right. So anyway, first time she had four drains, which we struggled with in 98. We struggled with that a lot. I was terrible at it. And uh, so uh, in 2008, we had two drains. Um, but she was sitting on the couch trying to strip her surgical drains, trying to milk them, and she was struggling with it. And I was standing about 10 feet away watching her, and God said, I've got a better way. And I instantly knew what to make and how to make it and the tolerances to put in it. That's and, great. Uh, you know, and for, can we, let's back up. Vance, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to interrupt you for a minute and back up for a second because a lot of people don't really understand the concept of a surgical drain. And so before we kind of go there okay. with the rest of the story, let's go ahead and talk about what those are because... 
you know, anyone who's had a mam- or a mastectomy or even a lumpectomy has dealt with some level of surgical drains. And I remember coming home with several myself. And, you know, can you t- share with our audience, what is the purpose of the surgical drain? What is it actually doing? And let's talk about that for a moment. And then we'll talk about how how much difficulty she had in, in working those, um, if, if that's okay, okay with you. Sure, so, sure. Um, so a a surgical drain um, in the body, a lot of times they are what's called a 15 French or a 19 French, which is um, a little less than a quarter of an inch in diameter. And they have uh, a part of them that, I don't know, it could be several inches, six, eight inches inside the body. And they have holes so that fluid or air can go into them and then they get sucked out and into a bulb that's at the other end of this tubing, which can be two feet long. But the idea is to uh, suck out all the fluid, all the extra fluid and the air that's trapped in there and kind of pull the tissue together so it heals better. And then the doctor will say how long he wants those drains in. He'll say how much are you getting out each uh, hour, each eight hours, it's completely up to the doctor as to when those uh, drains come out and he'll tell you how often to clear them mm-hmm. uh, or some criteria for clearing them. But that's all up to the doctor and each doctor has his own uh, criteria and uh, we've had so many doctors, we've had hundreds of doctors come by and, and many of them have different criteria. So sure. there is no constant yeah, so the one thing about the drains, just to clarify, so when you come home from the surgery, um, in fact, they actually have garments that you can purchase to sort of, I don't know if it really hides them, but at least it helps, you know, secure them, I suppose. But you come home, you've got this plastic drain tube hanging out of your chest area or wherever the, the surgery has been, and at the end of this long tube is this bulb, and when you clear the drain, the bulb fills up with the fluid, and then you, I remember doing this about once or twice a day, I would have to um, dump the, you know, pour the drain, you, there's a little valve, and you just open it up, and you squeeze it into a cup, and then the cup tells you how much um, how many is it cc's is it measure, measured in cc's yes you're exactly okay. right so it comes out and then you measure it and you write down a little chart of how much is coming out and then when you get to a certain level you know they're looking for a certain level or less coming out every day and that's when they decide that the tubes can come out and like to you, to your point every doctor probably has a different scale that they use if they want 30 cc's or 15 cc's or whatever is that my kind of stating it correctly you're absolutely right. Yep. Okay, cool. So I want to share something with you because I think this is really important. It It's really difficult to keep those drains in for very long. And that's the one complaint that we hear my plastic surgeon when he was doing some reconstruction of my breast. He heard this. It's like you feel like a science experiment. You got all these tubes hanging out of you. And I couldn't get them out fast enough. And I remember going to my doctor and he wanted it to be at under 30 cc's a day uh, before he would take them out. And I remember going in at a, and it was just a hair over 30 cc's and he wanted me to wait one more week. And I was, I was just heart 
stricken at that moment because I didn't want these things in. I mean, showering with them, you got to hold them up. I mean, it's just, they're paying the butt. There's just no easy way to, to say that. So I actually pushed the envelope a little bit and I said to my doctor, what would happen if you took them out now? And he says, well, I don't advise that you do that, but you're right on the border. So if you really want them out, I'll take them out, but it's against my better judgment. So we took them out. And, you know, the problem, Vance, that I found, and I'm sure a lot of other women do too, if you get impatient like I did, what happened was that fluid was still in there, but now the drain tube is gone. So where did it go? Well, it pushed its way out anyway, and what happened was it opened my surgical um, stitches, and it pushed out through there. So I'm leaking fluid out of the surgical wounds, and then they got infected. And I had a mess on my hands, and I dealt with that infection for quite a long time afterwards. So to our listeners who are thinking that they know better (laughs) than their doctor, um, sometimes we do, but sometimes we don't. And I really, if I could go back in and do this over again, I would have left them in another week, like you suggested, and I would have had far less trouble. So I, I wanted to share that because the drains serve in a very important role and you want to maximize that as best that you can. So um, so that's what happened to me when I took him out too early. So may I ask you, what did you think of Linda when you saw her with those drain tubes the first time? Because like I said, I felt like a science experiment, you know. <laughs> wasn't very pretty. Well, <laughs> you know, it's interesting you say that because uh, we decided to have a professional group do a study for us about on surgical drains and people's mm-hmm. concept of them. And, uh, I mean, it was a very professional company that, that did this. And they came back and said 78% of all patients that have drains say that is the absolute worst part of their surgery. And it didn't matter <laughs> See, what the surgery was. I wasn't wrong they about that. <laughs> yeah, they're annoying. You know, they're in the so, way. Uh, and what, when you shower, there's nothing to hold them up. You've got to hold them in one hand, shower with, because you don't want them to hang. They might pull you know, and you don't want that. So, yeah, they're they're not comfortable by any means. So, oh, you're so, absolutely yeah. right. And uh, Linda didn't know what to do, so she got a a long shirt that I had worn in the past, and uh, she put pins in it and pinned the uh, grenades, uh, the little bulbs, <laughs> onto it, so she could take a shower and not have to hold on to them. Ah, okay. But, so uh, she just got she but, just I mean, got there are the lots of things garment on the market wet. now that that yeah. do this. You know, and I, I mentioned just briefly the camisoles that you can get, and one of the things that we have at Breast Friends in our what we call the our hope closet is we do have some of these camisoles that people can come in and get fitted for, but they're um, little pockets of camisole with a pocket built into it so you can put the drain tubes in the pocket so when you're walking around they're not dangling below your shirt and you know and you can pin them too but I still never found is there something on the market that you can wear in the shower and just clip them in the shower like a waistband kind of thing where they I guess I I never saw that I think it's a great opportunity for an invention for somebody maybe you ought to do it but um, (laughs) did you did you see an actual showering type garment that you can hold these things up with? I'm trying to remember the name of it. We were at one show sometime in the last year and I saw something like that. It was kind of a uh, a wrap um, that you could put around you. Um, there was yeah. another one. Um, uh, what's it called? The Prote. P 
P-R-O-D-Y, Prody uh, Bra or something like that. Mary Prody okay. developed it. She's a nurse, and she's headed out for about, I think, 10 years. Okay. Um, but, uh, yeah, Mary Prody is really trying to help people with breast cancer. She's a yeah. incredibly sweet lady. Good. Um, I know there's a product called the Shower Shirt, but it's really, I think it's more for the early stages when you have your mastectomy and you're covered with gauze and, you know, all that, that you cannot shower and get all that stuff wet. Right. So you put this this shower shirt on, which I think is a rubberized kind of material, and then the shower water just kind of rolls off of that part, and then you can shower the rest of your body. But But just for the drain tubes, you don't have to worry so much about getting them wet. It's just holding them in place while you take care of your business, yeah. you know what yeah, I mean? That, so. that, was, that was a real pain for Linda, and that's when she finally, she looked at the bulb, and it had a little place where she could pin it, so she uh, she just pinned it to the inside of this flannel shirt. And just wore that and in the shower. Why not? Just, just, <laughs> you know? And just wore it in the shower, and then yeah. she'd take it off, let it dry out, and use it the next day. Yeah, there you go. Well, that's so. one solution, I suppose. Um so okay, so let's talk about. So she had the drain tubes for a while, and and you and then you watched her struggle. So why was it such a struggle for her to clean them? Well, let's talk about. Um, that. We we both struggled with this, and uh, you know my my problem was I was taught so many things, um, and, and that's because when a nurse goes to college, they are taught different ways by different colleges. Mm-hmm. And they'll say, use your fingers, uh, put cream on the uh, drain and, and run it down with your fingers. They'll say, uh, run it across a pen, um, use an alcohol yeah. swab. And quite frankly, I was confused. And uh, I said, you know, this is nuts. Well, yeah, um, with your science background, I suppose <laughs> you looked at that and went, wow, this seems so archaic. And it kind of is, well, that's, actually. that's exactly how I looked at it. And I, I looked at it for a long time before God told me what to do. Um, and then when he did, I knew what to make. And I went out in the garage and I got me some, some uh, water pump pliers and put some stuff on them and welded some things on them. And I took them over to uh, Linda's plastic surgeon and he looked at them for probably five minutes, and he said, you need to patent this. <laughs> Sweet. Said, what? How do I patent yeah. some water pump pliers? And he, he said, you need to reduce it, and you need to patent it. So that was what began the whole trek. But they worked absolutely perfectly. I put them on uh, a 19 French drain, and they cleaned it completely, absolutely perfect. So the concept was absolutely right. Yeah. And, you know, I imagine, because so, I've cleaned those drains myself with my fingers, you know, use, doing what they told me to do. But I can imagine that a person with arthritis in their fingers or yes. someone who's experiencing neuropathy, which often happens from chemo, um, yep. can really struggle with just trying to put enough pressure on the drain tube to get it clean. Because you have to put your fingers at the top where it's coming out of your body and then just kind of push everything toward the bulb. And sometimes it flows pretty easily and sometimes they're not because they get kind of sticky or something inside. And and it's it's difficult. So I would imagine that, that someone who has that experience might struggle a little bit more. I know my husband helped me clean mine in the beginning because I just had a hard time even looking at it, you know. Um, so, I, yeah, it's it, it, there's... So that, there was that, and then were there any other issues that Linda had with, I mean, was it just deciding how to clean them with the cotton and all that, or 
Is there um, anything well, else we going tried on? We various ways, and, and uh, I saw nothing that was really, really a good way to do it. Yeah. Um, and, and since then, I mean, I've had people tell me, you have no idea how hard it is to clean this with arthritis. Yeah, uh, I like can imagine. Saying, I mean, um, yeah, if you have, have fingers that are like that, it's like really tough. Yeah, so, uh, yeah. Yeah, they, they struggle a lot with that mm-hmm. kind of thing. So in 2008 so, is when she went in and had the, the implants removed, right? And then she came home with these drains, and you kind of got her through that. So let's finish up right. the Linda story because we're going to come back in the third segment, and we're going to talk more about this little device because I actually looked at it online. It's pretty cool. So um, so let's finish talking about Linda. So in 2008, all of you went through all of that, and then what was she okay for a while after that? What what happened? Um, yeah, she did, she did really good, and then in... 2000 and uh, let's see, it would have been. We went to Mayo Clinic every year for her checkup in Rochester, and uh, when we had gone up there, they said your CA 2729 is elevated, and I thought that's odd because you know that that's a breast cancer marker, and uh, it had been normal for the last you know, 16 years. Mm-hmm. And suddenly it was elevated, and we thought, what's going on? And then... Uh, I'm sorry, what year, what, what year was that? What, what year yeah, was, was that? I'm 2012. sorry. 2012. 2012, okay. In 2012. Okay. Uh, would have been September, I think, of 2012. Anyway, mm-hmm. so every couple of months she would go to her local doctors and ask them to do the CA-2729, and it kept elevating, going up and up and up. And then she went back to Mayo, and they said... Something's going on. I mean, they did all kinds of scans, could not find it anywhere. Finally, they did. Uh, they guessed that there might be something going on in her abdomen. They did exploratory surgery mm. and found the peritoneal cavity was um, about two-thirds to three-quarters oh. involved. Oh, no. Um, with a very, very thin layer. I think it was less than a hundredth of an inch, if I remember correctly. Um uh, of cancer cells all through it, and uh, mm. they knew that she had only a very short time left. Wow. So, um, so anyway, uh, that was in September, and uh, okay. she slowly got worse uh, over the next few months, and uh, she was in hospice for a couple of weeks before she died on April the 12th. But I was, mm. I had tried to prepare myself for it, I had done fire rescue for a number of years. I had seen a lot of really ugly stuff, and uh, you know, I thought I could prepare myself for it, but uh, I wasn't. I was not prepared mm. at all. I mean, I, I, wow. I maybe you can't. But, I don't know uh, how you could. I, I don't know how you could. Um, so I'm, I'm sorry. So she passed in April of 2013. Then, is that right? In, uh, in April. April 12, 2014. Um, 2014, okay. She, uh, she, the hospice nurse was here, and the, uh, uh, she, was, she was looking at Linda, and Linda suddenly went into convulsions mm. and quit, and the nurse said she's dying. Wow. And I was just stunned. And uh, so I just held her up next to me, and I said, it's okay, honey. It's okay. Mm. And wow. uh, I said, go to the light. And uh, she said, where's the light? And uh, <laughs> I could... I can feel her heart slow down, mm. and uh, in five or ten seconds, okay. she was gone. Wow. 
You know, we don't we don't usually talk about things like this on our show because our show is about giving hope to people and but there is a very very I'm going to cry. There's a very sad reality about cancer and and it and sometimes it is fatal. And you know, I think hearing your story Vance is probably going to be very freeing for a lot of people who have lost a loved one to know, you know, that that pain that you feel is normal and and you know how long it takes to recover from something like that. I'm not sure you ever fully recover, but I imagine over time it becomes less painful as you go. But I want to thank you so much for sharing your heart with us because what an amazing story. And and now here you are with this this process that you're doing. And we're going to get into that more when we take our break. But in fact, we're, we're there now. So we'll go ahead and take a break. We'll both uh, recover during the break and we'll come back and talk a little bit more about this incredible thing that you developed. So thanks again for for being a guest on our show. We'll be back in a minute. Stay tuned. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Thank you for listening today. Breast Friends needs your support. We rely on donations to keep our doors open and to keep this radio program alive. Please consider making a tax-deductible donation to Breast Friends. You can visit us at breastfriends.org. You can also like us on Facebook at Breast Friends of Oregon. Be sure to tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time and Thursdays at 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Women's Channel. For Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio, visit breastfriends.org and contribute today. When was the last time you felt free? It's time to uncover that feeling again with the compassion of a cross and shield and the power of a card that opens doors to the best hospitals and medical centers in all 50 states. Giving you the freedom to love, to dream, to dance like no one is watching. Regions Blue Cross Blue Shield. Live fearless. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. are tuned into Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. To reach the program today, please call us at 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to becky at breastfriends.org. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to our program. We've been talking with our wonderful guest, Vance Schaefer. Um, and he, we've heard his wonderful love story about meeting his wife. And now we just heard the sad news that she actually passed from breast cancer. But 
all of that, as sad as it is, um, has led to the creation of something that is going to help a lot of people in this world. And I wanted to switch gears with you a little bit now, Vance, if we could. And let's talk about this product that you developed and the name of it. Um, so we heard a little bit about how you came up with the idea for Tube Evac, which is the name of your your product. So when that, that plastic, was it a plastic surgeon that told you to get it um, patented? Is that? Yes. Okay. So tell us about that. So how, what did you do next? I mean, we have a lot of people, entrepreneurs who probably listen to the show and want to know how to do that. So how did you, how'd you go about getting a patent for this product? Um, Well, so Linda and I had gone to the hospital and we were uh, trying to figure out what to do. And we decided after talking to the surgeon, the plastic surgeon, that, that this needed to be miniaturized and uh, plastic injection molded. Now, I knew nothing about that, um, neither did she. So we just looked in the yellow pages, and there were three uh, plastic injection molding companies. And uh, so we called the first one. They were out of business. Called the second one. They weren't interested. And we called the third one. They said, come on over. So we did. And we spent uh, several hours talking to them, showing them our device, telling them what we wanted to do. And, and they said, yeah, we're interested in working with you on this. So I'm, and, I'm sorry. Uh, I, miss, I missed who the we is. You said that we went over and did that. Oh, I'm, so sorry. Who... I'm, I'm sorry. Linda and I, um, in 2008... Okay, so that was all, be- all before. Okay, sorry, I, I just yeah. want to get my timeline straight. Somehow okay. I had this feeling it was after all that. So, okay, so you and Linda yeah. went over together and, and presented this. Okay. So uh, we, we met with uh, the company and about plastic injection molding, and they, they said, well, okay, let's introduce you to a guy who can do prototyping for you. So uh, we talked with him over the phone, he wasn't available at the time. He was in Jacksonville, but he wasn't available. So we just talked to him over the phone, and uh, we thought we had gotten things put together. And then when he sent us the prototype, it was like, oh, this is nowhere close to what we wanted. <laughs> so we oh. said, okay, we're going to meet in person and draw it out. <laughs> and uh, okay. so we did, did that, and we said, here's the tolerances that need to go in it, and here's kind of what it has to look like. And um, he said, okay, let me run with that. And about a month later, he sent us back three prototypes that were really expensive, but they worked perfectly. I mean, just perfectly. And uh, so they were kind of a rubberish compound. So he said, okay, I'll, I'll make it out of hard plastic. Um, so it couldn't have a hinge in it since it was hard plastic. But he did that, and then it, uh, we, we tried that, and it worked perfectly. And, you know, uh, I, I have to say, when I, when I saw the picture of it on your website, it reminded, when I was young, I took Spanish flamenco dance lessons for a short period of time, and I learned how to play the castanets, the <laughs> and it reminded me a little bit of a castanet, you know, it's this like clamshell, little round kind of thing, and <laughs> and you, you open this up, and you place the, the line of your drain tube into this little slot, and then you close the clamshell and then you just kind of push down toward the bulb right is that did i you're absolutely right that's all it is it's so simple and and it it took the mind of a scientist to come up with this but 
I, I loved it when I saw it. I thought, okay, now it makes sense. I really didn't understand it before that, but it's such a simple thing. And so anyway, carry on. I'm sorry I had to interrupt that for a moment. <laughs> no, no, you're absolutely right. Um, and uh, so we took our uh, little prototypes um, and we went to uh, a mold builder and uh, we said, okay, we want to make a, a mold, a die to do this plastic injection mold or something that looks just like this. And he said, okay, just like that exactly. I said, absolutely, <laughs> kind of the thousandths of an inch. And he said, okay, I can do that. So two months later, we had us a single cavity die that had the rollers and the body built into it. And uh, we made a couple of them, and then we took them with us up to Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota. And uh, we knew a doctor up there, and, and we asked him, can we meet with the person who's in charge of uh, materials? He said, I have no clue who that is, but we'll find out. So the next day, he had set up, and uh, we, we met with the uh, guy in charge uh, the materials, there was also a surgical nurse in this operating suite that they gave us, and then there was a surgeon in there. And we had laid out two lines, um, 19 French, and uh, there was not a vacuum on either bulb. It seems that a lot of people were like me and constantly, constantly forgot to put the vacuum on the bulb. I mean, I was so nervous about it, I was always forgetting it. So anyway, we did that. She tried tried running it down to their fingers, couldn't get it done, used it to be back, rolled it right down, and I watched the uh, director's face, and he says, oh, my gosh. So we uh, had her do it again, rolled it down a second time, and he said, you've just discovered a patient need we did not even know existed. He said, I want 500 of them to test. And I said, okay, I'll get you 500 in two weeks. So uh, he said, give me four or five months, and I'll get back to you. So that was in uh, May, I think it was, and in September, he calls me and he said, we really like it, we're going to buy it. And I said, well, what were the results? And he said, we never hand out results. Suffice to say, we really like it or you would not be getting this phone call. Oh, wow. So Mayo Clinic's been using it now for uh, eight and a half years, I think it is. Wow, that's great. That, and, that's uh, that's impressive. jumped on the bandwagon. Yeah. And so how many hospitals, so these are actually being handed out in the hospital, is that right? They give them well, to the, the patients? Well, the Mayo or? Clinic does it. Yeah, Mayo, uh, and I'm, I'm just saying this just because, you know, I happen to know that one fairly well. The way they do it um, is it's in the top drawer of their recovery room. At least it was like this oh. a couple of years ago when I was there. Okay. It's in the top drawer of their recovery room. If a patient comes out with a drain, um, a 15 or a 19 French drain, they're given a pink tubivac device. And wow. if they come out with a 10 French drain, they're given a teal tubivac device. Okay. Bigger role. And, that's, and, and, and is that because ovarian cold. cancer versus breast cancer? Or because teal is. It depends is... on the kind of drain the surgeon wanted to put okay. in. Okay. Okay. So it's not, they didn't color code um, it because of the type of cancer then. I just wanted to clarify that. Oh, so. yeah. My, my tubivacs are pink. If they're for 15 to 19 French. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, anyway, so, the, uh, the, the patient is then told you are to strip your own drains. We're not going to do it. We'll come in and check on you, but you need to do this so you know how to do it when you go home. 
also the uh, the patients are much happier now because they don't have to worry about it. The nurses are happier because they don't have to worry about taking care of drains all the time. I mean, this is this is what I was told when I was there. I said, really, and and I had a uh, a floor manager at one hospital come up to me and say, I want you to sign my tubi back. And she knew who I my tubi back device. And I said, why? And she said, because you have no idea how much better my life is. Aww. My patients are much happier because they take care of their drains themselves. They know they're good when they go home. And the nurses don't have to worry about it anymore. That's so, uh, awesome. So how do, okay, so we're, we're almost out of time. So I, I want to kind of cut to the heart of something. If a patient okay. who's not going to the Mayo Clinic or someplace else, they're listening to this this show, can they get one? Just can they order one from somewhere, or you know, how do they get one? Um, yeah, yeah. Actually, uh, what we're doing is looking at putting it on Amazon. If somebody really needs one, if they will send me an email, and I, I hesitate to say that, but. Um, oh, the floodgates could open. <laughs> Yeah, Especially if exactly we actually give right. them the email, because so, <laughs> we could but, uh, we could put it out there right yeah, now. If they, you if you really want to do that, do you do you want people to really email you? Because we can get we can provide that right now if you want. Well, okay, so it would be uh, to info i n f o at tubevac t u b e e v a c dot com, okay. and uh, in the subject line put like uh, radio. Yeah, because that way yeah. separate it out. That would that would be good because that helps us know you were listening to the episode. So, and then what would the um, cost be to this person who is doing this, who's requesting one? Well, the cost the cost just to buy them online um, is uh, it comes out to five bucks a piece. We sell them in boxes of fifty at five bucks a piece. So it's really fifty or two sixty two fifty for the for the newer ones, but. Uh, if somebody just needs it, if they send us, uh, I don't know, I need to have something for shipping. So if they send us 10 bucks, um, then we'll just ship one out to them. And, and if the postage is more than that, then we'll just take care oh. of it. Well, you know something, um, I have to say, Vance, um, we are actually out of time. I, I need to kind of grab these last couple minutes. But before I do okay. that, I want to say to you that that is an amazing offer because, you know, you always hear about how expensive medical equipment is and this and that because of all the research and development that went into it, bloody bloody. And you're offering something at a cost that anybody can really afford. And if doctors wanted to buy a box of them and have them in their in their chemo rooms or, you know, their surgical sites yeah. or whatever, they, they could do that at a really affordable cost. So we really yeah. appreciate that. What is the what is your website? It's just to bevac.com, right? Or is there a hyphen yeah. or U B E E V A C dot com. Okay, so that's how they can re- reach you or learn more about this product. Well, I want to thank you again for being a guest on our show. I'm so excited. Um, you are the you're the reason the show exists, is so we can get messages like this out there, and to all of our people who may not otherwise have a clue about this. So, I do want to let all of our audience members know that this podcast is a listener supported program, and if you've been encouraged by any of the messages you heard today or in any prior. Um, episode, please consider a gift of any size uh, to k- keep this program going. You can reach us through the breastfriends.org website. There's a big blue donate button at the top. We don't ask for money from any of our guests or we don't have grant money very often for this. So it is listener supported. 
And uh, with that said, I will say we will be back next week. And until then, remember, there is always hope and we're here to help you find it. Thank you for listening to Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Please join Sharon Hannafin and Becky Olson again next Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel and Thursdays at 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Women's Channel. There is always hope and we'll help you find it. We'll talk again next time.